0: All right, well good morning. Good morning. God is good. All and all the time. Amen. Well, it is a joy to be here this morning. This past Friday we celebrated Veterans Day and if there are any members here who have served in the armed forces, would you stand this morning that we could recognize you? Amen. Amen. I pray that uh, each of you got my email this past week about uh, the elections, and I shared in that that going to vote is a God-given right that is protected by men and women who serve in our uh, armed forces, and I'm just so thankful for each of you. We have a video that we want to share as we begin this morning. got just a uh, couple announcements to make to you very quickly. Uh, Operation Christmas uh, Child or the Shoebox Ministry, that is due today. Um, but if you didn't bring it, you can bring it in tomorrow morning to the office. And then Brother Randy also shared... That if you uh, have forgotten it, even tomorrow morning, you can bring it next week for uh, Brother Randy and the senior adults to take to the Christmas shoebox to deliver it there on uh, the senior adult trip. For they're going to go and serve uh, to help uh, pack the boxes in Georgia. We also have uh, Light of the Village. You can give donations to help purchase gifts for the children, the after-school program. You can do that online. Uh, or you can also do it if you mark that on your check or on an offering uh, envelope and put that in the back at our uh, tides and offering boxes. One other announcement is that our uh, Alaskan mission trip that's coming up in July, the first week of July of next year, The deadline is November 30th. If you are planning on going, you need to see Brother Randy, share with him. The deposit is $250 per person, and that needs to be paid by November 30th so that we know who's going. And just remember, the cost of the mission trip is $350 plus your airfare. And so if you are interested in going and being a part of our Alaskan mission trip as we team up with the Alaskan Baptist Love for you to be a part of that. You can see Brother Randy, but we need to know by November 30th. Now, as we begin this morning, we've got an an exciting morning as Melanie is coming for our family dedication.
1: Good morning. I had uh, the privilege to meet with several of our families that are here today um, dedicating their children. About six weeks ago, we spent some time together, and I encouraged them um, to do a couple of things before this morning. And the first was to imagine the end, which means, uh, I know you've heard the saying, the days are long, but the years are short. And so I encouraged them to think about long range. What do they want their child to grow up? What kind of characteristics do they want their child to have? What do they want to, um, what qualities do they want to instill into their child? um, To focus on those things. And then also to widen their circle, which means you don't have to parent alone. I encourage them to bring people in to help pray for them and encourage them as parents. And so today is the culmination of all of those things. And Uh, As we're here today, a dedication is made of a few different ingredients. And first is the recognition by these parents that the child that they hold is not theirs, but it is God's. God is the author of life, and the child that they hold today is a miracle of God's power. It's a gift that God has given to you. Um, In 1 Samuel, a woman named Hannah yearned for a child, and in time, God gave her the gift of a son, And when Samuel was born, Hannah said, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I've also given him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be given to the Lord. So, a dedication is a celebration of the gift received from God, and the church is the best place to do that um, because it's a gathering place for worship. And today, we want to gather with you um, in gratitude and in joy to celebrate God's gift. We want to embrace you and the challenges that lie ahead, and we want to encourage you as you look forward to all that God will do through the life of your child. And finally, a a dedication is not just about the child. It's also about the parent's commitment. Um, It's about the entire family. So standing in a church and celebrating the gift of your child is the first step. But following Christ and seeking his wisdom in the rearing of your child is a journey. And so in reality, it's a parent-child dedication, which is why we've changed the name from baby dedication. It's as much for the parent as it is for the child. Because following the statement of Hannah's grateful expression of praise to God, the Bible says Hannah and Elkanah worship the Lord in the temple. And they gave public witness to their commitment to honor God's plan for their child and serve as partners in the task of honoring God and their home. So at this time, we will call um, the families forward. First, we have the Seacrest. Ben and Charity Seacrest are here to dedicate Maya Louise Seacrest. Austin Lily Seacrest and Emerson Luke Seacrest. We also have Seth and Jennifer Goodwin who are here today to dedicate Matthew Ray Goodwin. We have Stephen and Sarah Richardson, who are dedicating their daughter, Ella Kate Richardson. (laughs) We have John and Stephanie Merriman, who are here to dedicate their son, John Caleb Merriman. And we have the Howards who are here to dedicate their son, Daxton Scott Howard. So parents, I ask of you, will you seek to always treat your child with love and respect, recognizing them as God's special gift to you? Parents, will you seek to raise your child to understand the truths of the Christian faith, remembering that you teach most convincingly by your own life's example? And parents, will you depend upon God's Spirit, pray for and assist your child in responding freely to Jesus Christ in their own time? Family and friends that are here with them today, or if you were in their community group or life group, will you stand at this time? Family and friends of these who are here today, will you commit to helping these parents fulfill their commitments by praying for and encouraging them? Thank
0: you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Before we do that, I want to share with the, the parents and share with everybody here as I've uh, brought the target in before. Remember the bow and arrow in the scripture says that our kids are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And as Melanie said, you've got to know what the end is. If you don't have a target, you're going to aim at nothing. And so we've got to continue to focus in on God's Word for them to grow in God's Word. And that's our goal is that they would be men and women who go forth and and share God's truth because they live by it. And so church, that's our dedication also is to support them in knowing what the target is as they raise these arrows to be shot out into the world to share the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise your holy name. You are a good, good father. You are the author of life. Lord, we recognize that you breathe life into these children. And Father, they are not uh, ours, they're yours. And so today, the parents are laying them back before your throne, offering them to you. And Lord, we are committing as a church, as a body of believers, to walk with these parents, to steward and to raise these children in your ways and in your truth. And Father, I pray right now that each student would grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, as your son Jesus did in Luke 2.52. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And most of all, Lord, I pray that your name be glorified throughout the lives of these families and that each child will come to know you personally at a young age. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory. For it's in your precious and holy name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.
2: Thank you so much, Melanie, for leading us in that. And uh, what a great group that we had up here. Lives that that are going to be changed for the gospel and and shot out uh, to to go to all the world. And that is our mission together as the family of God today. Um, So why don't you stand and say hello to somebody next to you while we ask the Lord to show us more of his glory today. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, will burn our hearts with truth, and your presence in this place your glory on our face we're looking to the sky descending like a cloud you're standing with us Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Amen. Sing that again. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. River flowing from your heart, filling every part of our brain. Let's sing together and take my life and land. That's exactly what our families just did. They said, Lord, take this life that we have. Take this family that you have built together and use it for your glory. Matthew 6.26 tells us that the Lord takes care of all of our needs. Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Goes on to say, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When we give and when we serve, know that we have been taken care of above and beyond anything that we could ask, think, or imagine today. And so as the family of God, we move toward that goal of God's kingdom being on earth as it is in heaven. Let's sing this song together. Why should I feel? why should i feel discouraged why should the shadows come why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when jesus is my portion eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. I sing. I sing because I'm happy. I sing I sing because I'm happy, I sing because I'm free, for his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. How great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation I turned to heaven and spoke a name into the night. heart Your buried body Began to breathe
0: Out of the
2: silence The roaring lion Declared the grave Has no claim on me Then came the morning Sing it now That sealed the promise Your buried body to breathe. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, You have given us a, a living hope. You've given us so much. And I pray in turn that we would give as we have been given to, forgive as we have been forgiven, show mercy because You've been merciful, that we would grow and be sanctified to have the mind of Christ to make those decisions and to do those good things that You have laid out before us, Lord. You made us into your workmanship. We were enemies of God until Jesus came. You picked us up. You turned us around and gave us a life worth living. You gave to us your word to walk by, blessings and promises to hold on to as we go. And I pray that we would give cheerfully, give generously, give outrageously for you of our time, of our talents, our financial uh, Just blessing that you have given to us and as we enter this season of thankfulness I pray that we would never forget what you have done for us and how you have blessed us. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.
1: The
0: Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon trust to you
2: So that we can in turn go and give it, give it out to them. the people that are around us. May His favor be upon you. May His favor be upon you and the thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May His favor be upon you and the thousand generations and your family. children, and their children, and His presence go before you, and behind you, and beside you, all around you, and within you, He is with you, He is with you, in the morning, in the evening, in your coming, and your going, in your weeping, and rejoicing, He is for for you. He blessing today. Can we sing it all together? The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and
0: Amen. What an incredible song. If you don't know, that is from Numbers 6, the priestly, oh, I can't speak. The priestly blessing uh, that we see Aaron uh, speaking. And what a fitting song for us to sing on a day that we do family dedication. As we continue forward in the Sermon on the Mount, if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, would you turn to Matthew chapter 6. Last week, we began Matthew chapter 6, and in doing so, we looked mainly at verse 1. And verse 1 of Matthew 6 kind of gives us the foundation for verses 1 through 18. Because 2 through 18 talks about these three pillars that we see in the faith. That we're called to give, we're called to pray, and we're called to fast. But as we saw last week, that we must be careful what our motives of the heart are. If we have a motive that seeks other people uh, praising us for what we're doing, then that is our reward in full, is simply the applause of men. But when we seek with a pure heart and we give, pray, and fast with a pure heart, our Father who sees all things, He rewards us with rewards that will never be taken away. Now, we talked about that reward last week a little bit as we saw that these are things that are stored up in heaven for us to lay back before God. A life that was used to glorify God. And we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we don't boast and look at what my life was compared to someone else's. We say, praise God that He used me as a vessel. He flowed through me through the power of the Holy Spirit, and so I give Him praise, honor, and glory for all things. Today we're going to pick up in verse 2, and we're going to go 2 through 4, and we're going to look at giving, the, the practical of giving. Now this is one thing that I enjoy preaching verse by verse, because we get the full context or the full counsel of God's Word. As we look through God's word and we come to difficult passages such as about man's will and the predestination, we deal with those here. When we get to a couple of weeks ago as we looked at the, the scripture about divorce, we went deep into that. Why? Because we go verse by verse. And so today we're going to be teaching on the practical side of giving. It's not something that you hear that often here at Luke 4.18. It's only the second time in my three years of pastorate that we have gotten to a verse on giving, even though giving is all throughout the Scripture. Let's read. Let's pick up in verse 1 and read through verse 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you that they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father... We are so thankful for your love, your mercy, your grace that you have bestowed upon us, that you have given us. Father, I pray today that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the pages, that we may place this into our heart. Search us and know us, O God. Show us any evil way about us, that we may repent, and that we may look more like your Son every day as you remove the flesh in our life. Now, Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory. Amen. Now, in this passage, Jesus is speaking in verse 3 and 4, well, really 2, 3, and 4. He is speaking about giving to the poor. And in doing so, he says, don't do as the hypocrites or don't do as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Today, because last week we talked about the heart, today I want to kind of do what I would say is is a little bit of a topical message on giving. Today I want to answer a few questions. Why do we give? How do we give? Who do we give to? What do we give? And the reward of giving. Now some of you are saying, David, six points, we're going to be here all day. Listen, you just need to listen quickly, all right? And I would also challenge you to write down the scriptures. We're going to be all throughout the Bible. It's the best place to be. We're going to be all throughout the Word of God. Write down these scriptures so that you can go back and look over them. The first thing I want us to see as we look on giving is that giving starts with the heart or the heart of giving. We talked about this last week. I just want to review for a moment let me remind you that the doing in Christ always happens after the being. When you are in Christ as Lord and Savior and He has transformed your life, then we begin to do for Him. If the doing comes before the being, if the heart is not in the, 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 the doing, then you're going to be very legalistic. Jesus even said, many will come to me and said, I did all these things in your name. And he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And so we must recognize that truly doing or giving must start with the heart. Now, as we saw in verse 1, that heart is, is that we want to follow God's word and for God to be glorified. It can't be for our desire to be, hey, I want people to see me now, I want to be very careful. I shared this last week. That does not mean be legalistic. That if I give, I can't let. If anybody sees, then then, then I have totally messed up. What God is not—he's not saying that that if somebody sees what you're doing, that you've messed up. What he's saying is, is what is your heart in the matter? Was your heart there saying I want people to see me so they can applaud me, or is your heart saying I want to do this to honor and glorify God? The reason that giving starts with the heart is because we must truly trust God's provision. We must truly trust that God is over all things. We must truly believe that God owns everything. Let me just say that again. We must truly believe that everything is the Lord's. If we think that we can create provision on our own. If we think that we have ownership of these things, what happens is we try to hold that tightly. And let me tell you, you'll be sorely disappointed when you find out that you have no ownership of it. You are simply called to be a what? Steward of what God has given. There's a passage in Luke 21, 1-4, through and we call it the widow's might. And the widow's might you know the story where the Pharisees and, and others were bringing all these big amounts and putting them into the treasury. But the widow brought these two copper coins that we call the widow's might. And Jesus said this, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. For they all out of their surplus put in the offering. But she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. Church, We see in this passage that it's not about the gift as it is about the heart. It's not about the amount as it is about the heart. So the heart of the matter is still a matter of the heart. Now let's answer these questions today. The the first question or the second point, but the first question is why, why do we give? Church, why do we give? Some people would say because God's word tells us to. Some people would say it's the right thing to do. But I'm here to tell you that there is one reason why we give. And the reason that we are called to give is because God the Father is the biggest giver of them all. God the Father is the biggest giver of them all. When we give... Whatever it is, and I know that many times we think financially, but when we give our time, our talents, our possessions financially, we are reflecting the image and the character of God because he is the biggest giver of them all. Now, I did a little bit of a study on just all the things God has given us. No, I, I didn't even come close to exhausting that study. But I pray you get a little overwhelmed right now. Because I'm going to share with you just a few things that God has given us. Most of the time we say he's the biggest giver of them all because he gave us Jesus. Yes, we're going to talk about that. But it's so much. First, God gives us life. In Genesis 2, how did Adam and Eve have life? By God breathing into their nostrils life. God is the one who gives life. The reason that you have life today, that you are breathing and your heart is beating, is because of God's grace and his mercy and he has given you life. God gave his son, Jesus, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. That he gave his son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And think about Jesus. Jesus willingly stepped down. That's Philippians 2. He came to this earth. He walked on this earth and he gave his life on the cross for you and for me. You want to talk about the biggest giver of them all? The Son of God gave his life for you. You may say, David, what do you mean? The scripture tells us that we were all born sinners. We were born into sin. Why? Because of Adam and Eve. Sin entered into the whole world. And because of that sin, there is a wage that is called death. We deserve death. And that's what we're going to get. Spiritual death apart from God for all eternity. But God loved us so much that in the midst of our sinful ways, he said, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to give my son. And he's going to give his life upon the cross. I love what Jesus said. Nobody takes my life away from me. I give it. I lay it down. And Jesus gave of his life and ultimately he paid the price that we deserve for our sins. And those who believe in Jesus Christ, they shall be set free from the punishment of sin and have eternal life with God. And so when we hear the gospel, which is our need for salvation and that Jesus gives us through his life, he gives us what? He gives us salvation. Look at what it says in Ephesians. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that of not of yourself. It is what? A gift of God. What is it? Salvation. So God gives us life. God gives his son. Jesus gave his life. God gives us salvation through who? Jesus Christ for those who believe and trust in him. Oh, but it keeps going. God gives us the Holy Spirit. It says this in John 14, 16 through 18. I will ask the Father and he will what? Give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. But it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Church. God gives us life. He gave His Son. His Son died for us, gave His life for us. He gives us salvation, and He gives us the Holy Spirit to come dwell within us. I don't know about y'all, but I get excited about that. Like, God the Father, the Creator, places His Holy Spirit, there, the triune God, inside of us. Not only that, but He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. It says in 2 Peter As Aaron read this, that God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. You know what I like to put in parentheses? Sanctification. He has given us what we need to be able to turn away from the flesh and walk in the Spirit. How did he do that? By placing the Spirit of God within us. It goes even further. God has given us talents. What is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7-11? It says that the Holy Spirit has given each one of us a, a talent, spiritual gifts. It says this, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the Spirit, and another faith by the Spirit, and another gifts of healing by the one spirit and to another affecting of miracles and to another prophecy and another distinguishing of spirits to another various kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. And listen to this. But one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each of the individuals just as he wills. Do you realize that the gifts, the talents that you have has been given to you by God? Those who just sang, God has given given by the Holy Spirit those talents. He didn't give that to me. For those who are are teachers and preachers, God gives that talent the ability to speak. Whenever you are, are doing things at your job or at your workplace, God, the Holy Spirit, has given you those talents, those abilities, those gifts. Oh, but it goes even further. God has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 1, right? We were in it for two years. It says, for God has blessed us or given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And let me just remind you, none of those blessings are material. None of them that we see in there are material. It says that we are chosen, that we're adopted, that we're predestined. It says that we're sealed by the spirit. It says in there that we are children of the most high God. But let me give you one more. God has given us eternal life. Church, do you see that God gave us life? He's given His Son. His Son gave His life. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us salvation. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's given us talents. He's given us every blessing in the heavenly places. And He's given us eternal life in Christ Jesus. Look what it says in 1 John 5, 11 through 12. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in who? In His Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. So let me ask the question again. Why do we give? We give because our Father, our Heavenly Father, is the biggest giver of them all. And we are called to reflect His image and His character But Luke 12, after telling you all the stuff and there's so much more that he has blessed and given, Luke 12, 48 says this, For everyone who has been given much, much will be required. So church, what are we doing with all that God has blessed us with? What are we doing with life that he's blessed us with? What are we doing with the talents that God has blessed us with? What are we doing with the finances that God has blessed us with? So, the, third que- or the next question, the third point is how, how do we give? How do we give? So, we're going to look at this quickly. In Matthew 6 2, it says, don't do it as the hypocrites who sound the, the, the shofar, blow the shofar, and blow the trumpet, and hey, look at everything that I'm doing. So, the first thing of how do we give? We give quietly. We give quietly, but that doesn't mean, as I said earlier, legalistically, oh, nobody can see, and if they see, then something's wrong. It's about the heart, but Jesus said, beware, why? Because we can easily fall into that. Not only do we give quietly, we also give cheerfully and freely. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 9. 6 and on. It says, Now this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Wow. You know that word means hilarious. Cheerful means hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. We are called to give cheerfully and freely, not under compulsion. Now, I'm going to just speak this for a moment. I've heard this all my life. People who don't want to go to the church or don't want to come on worship on Sunday, this is what they'll say. One, there's a whole bunch of hypocrites there. Heard that. We've already discussed that last week, right? And two, all the church wants is my money. Can I just tell you, if that's your heart, please don't give your money. God says that he loves a hilarious and a cheerful giver. It says it's not under compulsion. We should never feel as if, well, I have to do this. Oh, the pastor told me I have to do this. If we're in that place, we're in a very dangerous place. But when we recognize that God has gifted us with so many things, we can't even count them all. And he has called us to use that for his glory and for his kingdom. Then we can joyfully give back, hilariously give back to God. That's one of the reasons people ask me. They said, David, was there anything good that came from COVID? Well, not really, but. One of the things that we changed here was we put boxes around the room for our tithes and offerings. We don't pass the, we didn't pass a plate, we passed a green bag, right? But we don't pass that anymore, we have that there. You know what I love about that? Is that when you place your tithe and offering into that box, it's between you and God. It's between you and God. There's people that have told me before that don't want to come to a a church. They say, well, David, when they pass the offering, we all feel guilty because we didn't put anything in. And I was like, well, you need to go and deal with that with God. Because that's not coming from us. But one of the blessings is now is that it's between you and God joyfully. I know one church that when, when they place into that box, they tell people like, listen, if, if you want to, you can just in your heart just, just rejoice and shout to God. Why? Because you're doing that joyfully to Him. Now they say that in their heart because they don't want them to be seen, beware of being seen by men. But God's called us to give freely and to give cheerfully. God's also called us to give, not seeking anything in return. Now, the world gives, and it seeks in return, doesn't it? I'm going to do this so I can get that. Well, if I help this person out, then then when I need something, they're going to help me out. But God tells us in his scripture, Luke 6, 34 through 36, if you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is it to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemy and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. Church, we have to watch our heart. One of the things that I love that Brother Fred did here in the first 10 years or so or when it was when Luke 4.18 was founded is he said, you know, outside of the building we don't designate things here. And the reason we don't designate when somebody gives to go to this to be sitting there for this long or this to go sitting there for this long is ultimately because we need to give to the Lord and, and we don't need to say, well, it has to go here, it has to do this or you have to do this with it, right? And so I, I think that's a great practice. There's people who who will say, hey, if I give this, then then I want this or or my name on this or on that. And and that doesn't happen in the church or it shouldn't. Why? Because when we give, we must give to the Lord freely. And whatever is done with that is whose responsibility? The person who is using that. The person who has the responsibility to uh, use that financially. Think about this. If I give to somebody and I don't know, let's just say it's somebody on the street. And I don't know that they're going to go use that for something negatively, so I give to them. Am I responsible if I didn't know? No. Now, if I knew that they were going to go use that for things that were not according to the Word of God, then yes, I'm responsible for handing that over to them. But listen, our job is to give, and and, and their job is to be responsible for what is done with it. So we see how we give. We give uh, cheerfully, quietly, freely, not under compulsion. Uh, We give not seeking anything in return. So who do we give to? Who do we give to? You may say, well, David, that's that's a tough question because some people are going through this and that, and what situation do you help in and what do you not? Well, let me just tell you, first and foremost, we give to Christ. First and foremost, we give to Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. First and foremost, we give our whole life, everything of ours, to God. Are you willing to say, Lord, everything is yours? Now, spoiler alert, it's already his. The question is, is are you going to release that, right? I've always been told when you hold your hands like this, you can't give, but you also can't receive. Are we going to go before the Lord with arms stretched out, wide open, just saying, Father, it's all yours anyways. I want to be a good steward, and I give you my life. Every bit of it. Everything that I have is yours. I love what it says in Matthew twenty-five, forty. You know this, uh, this passage, but at the end of this passage, it says uh, that th- these, the people had done these things, and Jesus said that you did these uh, for me, and, and they said, well, when did we do these things for you? When did we, when did we uh, feed you, and when did we clothe you? And Jesus said this, it says, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did this to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. So church, who do we give to? First and foremost, our heart must be pure before God and we give every bit of who we are to God. Father, I am simply clay in the potter's hand. Father, everything that I have is yours. If you want to use it for whatever you just place on my heart and it is yours. The house that I that, that, that I live in, Father, if you want me to use it for this ministry or that, or to for whatever, for studying, for this or that, Lord, I'm going to use it for your glory and for your kingdom. We cannot hold these things, for it's God who has blessed us. So then when we give our whole life to God, who do we give practically? Well, Galatians 6 tells us, That we should not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we'll reap what if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. What does that mean? All people. And especially to the household of faith. So I just put down two, two groups of people that we need to be willing to give to. One is to those in need. People that are in need. Think about the Good Samaritan, Right? What did the good Samaritan do? He stopped, he helped, and he even said, here's some finances to take care of him. I'm going to place him on my my own donkey. I'm going to walk him there. Here's some finances, and whatever else is needed, I will take care of when I get back. But we're also called to give to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Acts chapter 2. After the Holy Spirit had come at Pentecost, it says this in verse 43 through 47. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have a need. As anyone might have a need. Church, we're called to give as the Lord leads us. But it first starts with us laying our whole life before him. We're also called to give to the body of Christ as we see with the widow's might. And we also see in Malachi 3. So if we're called to give because God is the biggest giver of them all. And if we're called to give to God everything. And then we're called to give to others and in doing so we're ultimately giving to God. What do we give? What do we give? Well, we saw in Romans 12:1 that we give our whole life, right? And in that there's this. There's the talents, our time, our possessions, our finances. We lay all that before the throne. Our talents, our time, our possessions, our finances, and let me just tell you, time is more important than even finances. Church, do you realize that every moment of your life is a gift given to you by God? Are you going to steward it for His glory? By giving to others, by serving others, by sharing your life with others? What about your talents? Are you going to use those for the glory of God by helping others and serving others? What about our possessions and even last, our finances? Are we going to use that for the glory of God? Galatians 6, one of my favorite uh, chapters in the Bible is Galatians 6. As it says in here, God will not be mocked, you shall reap what you sow. But in this, before that, it says, Bear with one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law. If anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to others. For each one will bear his own load. Church, I want us to be very careful here. I've shared this with you before. But there's a difference between giving to help somebody bear a burden and there's a difference when we're called to let somebody carry their load. See, oftentimes we want to come to the rescue when people are not stepping up to the plate to deal with the necessities of life. And so then we enable them to stay in that position and God has never called us to do that. The scripture says, God will not be mocked. You shall reap what you sow. But we are called to come alongside and to help each other with burdens that we're walking through. Burdens are not every single day the the same thing over and over. Burdens are things that unexpectedly come up. I think that we know the difference between a burden and a load in our head. But sometimes we want to enable in somebody's life of sin. And God's not called us to do that, but what He has called us to do is to carry one another's burdens. So let me get to the last point here, and that's the reward of giving. The reward of giving. We saw the heart of giving. We see why do we give, because God's the biggest giver. We see how do we give, by first giving our life to Christ We see who do we give to first to Christ and then to others. And as we give to others, we're giving to Christ with a heart that is pure before him. And then he says that there would be a reward. Look at verse 4 in chapter 6 of Matthew. So that you're giving in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So what are some of the rewards of giving? Well, first off, it's finding true contentment. It's letting go of all these things you thought that you could hold on to, and realizing that God's got it, and I'm just going to trust Him. True contentment is realizing that it's all the Lord's. Listen, Paul says this in Philippians four eleven through thirteen, the most misquoted Bible verse in the book. Paul says this. He says, "Now that I speak from what um, from want, now that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances." I am. I know how to get along in humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And then he says this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. One of the rewards of truly having a heart to give is that you are content in Christ and Christ alone. That things don't have you. It's okay to have things. But if things have you, then you're finding your contentment in those things that will rust and fall apart. Another thing is that it reveals God's provision. It reveals God's provision. When we give, we are revealing that God truly is provider. Go back to 2 Corinthians 9 in the back for me. And I want us to see this. I believe it's verse, uh, go to verse 8. It says this. We got verse 8 in the back? 5, 6, no? Okay, let me just bring it up over here. There it is. And God who is able to make grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, that you may have abundance for every good thing deed. Church, when we give, what happens? But we show that God truly is our provider, that he gives us everything that we need for every good deeds. But we also see that God opens up the window of heaven and pours out blessings. Malachi 3.8 says this, he says, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it's overflowing. Now, I want to be very clear. This is not the prosperity gospel. This is not, hey, I'm going to give and Lord, do you see this? I'm giving, you see what's in secret and I'm expecting at least at least 10% because I can get like 2% in the market. That's not what this is saying. Because we got to remember that the blessings of God are not simply material and financial things. It's peace, it's joy, it's love. Listen, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. But let me just share with you, in Malachi 3, it says that if you give into the storehouse, He says He'll open up the window of heaven and bountifully Allow blessings to flow to you. This is what I love. That word window there is the same word that's used in Genesis when the flood happened. Now think about this. The window of heaven opened up. Water came from the depths or from the the underneath. And it also came from the window of heaven. And how much water came out of that, that window from heaven? Some people say it was a local flood. But I'm here to tell you it was a global flood. So that was a lot of water. So when God uses that same word here, He says that when you give, that He opens up the floodgates of heaven, the windows of heaven, and bestows blessings upon you. But I want to share with you, church, the greatest reward of giving, the greatest reward of giving is reflecting the image and character of God. It's reflecting Christ. Church, we cannot do that in our own power and our own strength. It's only by the Holy Spirit in and through us. We realize that our life is here for a purpose, and it is to bring glory and honor to God. And everything that He blesses us with, material or not, we are to use for His glory and for His kingdom. That when we truly have a heart of purity before God and we give our life and our talents and our time and our possessions and our finances to God, we are showing the world Jesus. For he was the greatest giver of all. God is the greatest giver of all. It goes full circle back to why do we give? Because God has given us life. He's given his son. His son has given his life. And God has given us salvation and the Holy Spirit and blessings. And he has continued to bestow upon us talents and abilities every day. And so the reward, yes, there is blessings from heaven that we can lay down before the throne of God. Yes, it says he who sows bountifully will receive bountifully. But the greatest reward is that we get to live a life that's reflecting the image and the character of God so that all those around us will see him and not us. Think about what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1. He said, follow me. As I follow Christ. Imitate me. As I imitate Christ. As I follow him. So church when we look at this. And we see that we're not called to shout the, the shofar. And say hey look at what I'm doing. We can't just simply look at finances. God has called us to give everything. Our whole life. The time we have. The talents. The possessions. Everything. And we need to make sure that we have a heart of purity before him. And we need to make sure, church, that we don't hold so tightly to things that things have us. We must give God our whole life. As we close this, in the next couple weeks, we'll look over prayer and, uh, and fasting and the practical of it. But may we reflect the image of Christ in all that we do.